This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the QuarterCast Founders Edition, where Nico and myself are going to shoot the breeze for a little bit here. We have a couple things to talk about and get off our chests. We have to talk about uh, kind of our experiences of, as filmmakers in a YouTube world. We have to talk about our experiences on the set of Lifeline, the hotly debated dramatic experience. And we're also going to talk about the future of robots taking our jobs. Let's see how it goes. Don't forget to subscribe if you like it at any time. Any You hear something you like? Smack that subscribe button. Welcome. Go. Oh, sorry. To, welcome to Three, the... Three, two, one. Welcome, welcome to, to the Founders cast. This is the special edition of the quarter cast where Nico and myself figure it all out. How's it going, Nico? It's good. Have you realized that what saying something in unison is like the cringiest thing you could possibly do? Like what? Saying what? Like, like saying what? Right, welcoming people to the corridor cast with the founder speaking. <laughs> yeah, well, Three, I don't know why. Two, one. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the corridor cast, cast starring starring ne- Nico, Nico, Sam, Sam Nico. Nico. <laughs> See, like, yeah, it's pretty bad. I don't. Uh, it's because it feels fake. Because there's always someone in that group who's like, just reminds me of children's TV shows. Yeah, I guess that's why. Yeah. So, what do you want to talk about? What's What's an interesting thing we can talk about? Well, uh, what What's going on? I mean, I know I see you every day, but but seriously, what like uh, so? How's how's it going? Oh, it's going. I'm working on this battlefield commercial. Yeah, yeah. That's how, how's that going? Ah, oh, it's been a little tricky. Yeah. How how so? <laughs> how so? Um. <clears throat> well, uh, for those of you guys who are not in the corporate world, uh, like me and Sam, also we are thankfully not in the corporate world. There's a lot of people that need to approve things and. Those chains of command have a wild variety of the types of people that are in them and the things they like. Yeah. Especially when the chain of command involves uh, Swedish people as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Time barriers, language barriers, every, everything. Although, I, Cultural every, differences. every Swedish person I've ever met has a fantastic grasp on English. Yes. Surprisingly good. Everyone from Scandinavia. I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. Let's just say that the very first edit of this Battlefield commercial went in one direction. And once the folks over at Dice saw it, it went in a very different direction. Yeah. And it's been going all over the place. It's been like uh, trying to use a compass in the Bermuda Triangle. Currently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess, here, here's, here's, here's a thought. I mean, you look at indie developers, you look at a big developer like Dice, and obviously with more people comes more oversight and larger chains of command but then also you start to be uh, capable of creating things that are far greater than anyone else is capable of mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like this every single time I, I i talk to people about their commercial experiences it's always the same thing it's that, it's that like there's that chain of command it's something like that but at the same time their aspirations and i'm even speaking for myself here it's like well i want to have all the money and spend it on the big productions <laughs> and do the crazy stuff but it's it's like, how do you kind of grapple with both? Is is it necessary to have these huge groups of people and chains of commands to accomplish great tasks? Or I don't think so at all. No. I mean, if you need like an army pumping out art, then yeah. But like the best the best video games, the ones that are even the most successful, are not successful because they have huge teams working on them. They're successful because of the ideas. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> the popular videos on YouTube are popular not because of the production quality. They're popular because of the ideas. Yeah. It's just the ideas. You only need one person to come up with a good idea. Obviously, there's execution on it too. But this is something that Brandon has pointed out, which is 
currently the video game industry is headed around like huge teams of hundreds, if not thousands of people just pumping out art for the same game over and over and over. The Assassin's Creed series is just the same base game with new art every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, the games that catch my eye are the ones that have ideas. You know, yeah. Minecraft was just a new idea. Yeah. Escape from Tarkov, which I've been playing for years, a new idea. You know, I just got into Dark Souls. That's a different idea than any other game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, now they're getting into the whole art thing where they just let's play the same game again with some new art. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess I guess you'd say that, but it's still working. The thing is, is you, the gameplay in Dark Souls is is so robust that it can kind of it can last. Yeah. But again, but once again, still Dark Souls, fairly large team of people to create that. You know, imagine you're shooting a commercial for from software. Mm-hmm. Or how, is it just from just from yeah, software from, from software. software? So the games come from software or something. The, like? the games come from from software. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you imagine working with those guys. I mean, well, first off, a Japanese developer. I've heard many things. There's rituals, and you have to court them. Rituals? Yeah. What kind I, of rituals? Well, there's a it's there's a business in Japan has a completely different like uh, method. From everything I've ever heard, I've heard that if you're doing business with someone in Korea, you have to get drunk with them first. Yeah, I, I mean, like that idea. It's not a bad, not a bad idea. It's like you gotta get to know somebody. Yeah, you really have to. You have to make sure no one's gonna like say anything really stupid. Yeah, I'm engaging relaxed mode with the microphone now. For those of you nice. guys who are listening to the audio only version of the podcast, I'm now just holding the microphone and leaning back in my chair. <laughs> so everything he says is is more relaxed now. Imagine yeah. him. More chilled. I, yeah, just <laughs> I had to relax a little bit here and really let down my guard, so I leaned back. <laughs> well, yeah, I find that interesting though. There's the different methods, I guess, of, of I guess deal making. Yeah. Hey, what's your favorite video game? My favorite video game? While we talk about video games, what's your favorite video game? Uh, All time. You know, it's it's tif- it's it changes. I mean, of all time, I think I actually had the most fun playing Halo One. Yeah, it was a good game. Actually, had the most most endorphins were, re- <laughs> were released during Halo One. Yeah, because of single player being groundbreaking, and because of uh, in house like Ethernet cable LAN parties with four TVs and sixteen. Like, have, I've never done that since then. I've never yeah partied at someone's house and brought Ethernet cables at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's like. It's so fun. It's so fun to do that. So, uh, yeah, Halo 1. I remember I had that little TV where when somebody got the health pack and the screen would turn white, the TV couldn't put out enough power so the other half of the screen would go dark. <laughs> so the other, <laughs> the other person on split screen wouldn't be able to see for a moment while the other person finished healing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> How about yourself? My favorite video game of all time? That's a good question. I always say full throttle. <laughs> Two player horn. <laughs> so I'm just filling in the. I'm just trying to compensate for the dead space while I think about what my favorite video game is. I always used to say full throttle, and just because I really liked point and click adventure games, and that one built a really cool world. Mm. Um, but I feel like it's really dated now at this point to say that. I don't know. Games that gave me good vibes: SimCity 2000, <laughs> GoldenEye was good. Perfect Dark yeah. was even better. Halo One was great. I mean, these days, the game I really enjoyed over the past couple of years here, Escape from Tarkov, really stood out to me. Mm. It's like the Dark Souls of shooters. <laughs> it is. You said SimCity 2000. I always felt that was a very interesting game because it was installed on most computers in elementary schools. It was? Uh, like for me, the last three years of my, like four, five, and sixth grade, very mm-hmm. young, SimCity 2000 was installed for some reason on almost every computer I came across. Mm-hmm. And I wonder... I'm just curious, like, I guess there's a, a <laughs> there must have been an educational value in it, right? There must have been a big debt of uh, city planners and they just need to get more of them into the system. So <laughs> yeah, they're trying to imagine. inspire all those kids at a young age. Do you think they have Fortnite installed on all computers on like school libraries? No, I bet you. Well, the teachers would think no. The students would say yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Every, like everyone like secretly installs it. Oh, or yeah. Something it's secretly like that. installed everywhere. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Do you think they have Fortnite for graphing calculators yet? Um, it's probably like, yeah, like a text version or something like that. Like a story, story-based version, like a linear, <laughs> linear choose your own adventure Fortnite thing. You're getting shot at. Do you wish to A, shoot back or B, build a fort? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the answer to every question. Yeah. 
Uh, so other than working on the commercial, mm-hmm. uh, well, like what else? Like I just shot a video with Clint yesterday. How's that going? It's going good. I I miss shooting videos. I wish I could shoot them more. Shooting videos is kind of fun. Videos is really fun. Well, it's like you're a photographer at a fashion shoot. You know what? Shooting videos. Uh huh. That's like that's why it's fun because you're sitting there going like just look cool oh yeah <laughs> i got this camera i'm trying to make you look cool like let's do it you okay know? cool i wasn't sure where you're going with that analogy but yeah it is fun yeah it's well it's nice when you get to just like focus on make stuff making stuff look cool and we got some new lights so i got to play with those and you like it's the kind of shoot where it's just one actor in a dark spot so it's like it's all about just making it look cool with cool lights how do you make it look cool here's the secret to making stuff look cool guys you have one light on the edge and by the edge, I mean like slightly behind the person, not all the way behind the person, just kind of behind the person. And you tint it a certain color, whatever color you want. doesn't really matter. Just make it a color. And then you have the next light be at a, some point that's not directly from the camera direction. So like above them or to the side. And then last but not least, if you can't afford any set decoration, you put a colored light on the background. Like we have behind Sam here. Oh, wait a second. We're doing <laughs> that on accident. Well, it's funny. Uh, yeah. Well, audio only version. Uh, everyone is going to suffer here. <sighs> but these lights worked out pretty well. Pretty happy with it. Check it out. One hits the face. The other one accidentally edge lights you from that camera. It's yeah. Perfect. It's too so good. I got, I got an edge light right here and a fill right here. And then that corner mm. was boring. So we put a pink light there. Jerry, why'd you pick pink this time? Let's go with my intuition. Yeah, intuition it's my um <laughs> it's, it's uh yeah it's my favorite color we talked about this ahead of time yeah well <laughs> so you shot a commercial yeah it's super cool you're working with the swedes to get it done all right shot mm-hmm. a video yesterday with clint yeah um and he made it look nice with lights. I did. Okay. So And a shot on a red, which is nice shot. too. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to just shoot everything on a red. You look at all these new camera platforms. You see like the A7 or anything else. And you're like, oh, it would be sweet to have a smaller rig. But. But. You pay. Yeah. I've been thinking about the perfect camera recently. I think about the perfect camera all the time, actually. The perfect camera to me is a camera that lets you do any move you want. And it doesn't get in your way. Like, so here's the thing about cameras. They look the best when they have a large sensor that lets you get a lot of dynamic range. Resolution doesn't matter too much. Just a large sensor because a larger sensor means you can get nice shallow depth of field. Yeah. And then you want that dynamic range and you want low light capabilities. Okay. Okay. So that's the sensor. That's that's what needs to happen kind of internally on the camera. Already having a large sensor rules out like 90% of cameras. And then having good dynamic range rules out like the remaining 5%. So it leaves like 5% of cameras. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. I can still handle that. 5% of cameras. There's a lot of cameras out there. There's, I guess there's still a couple that fulfill that. But then the thing is, outside of that, all these cheap cameras have come up with these great things that like make using a camera easier. Like, for example, uh, the ca- cameras that Carmichael and Nick shoot with, to focus, they just touch the screen on what they want the camera to focus on. And Canon has built dual pixels that can tell when the light is focused. It doesn't need to search for it. It doesn't need to analyze the frame. It can just tell when like the light beam's coming in, when the photons are coming in, in parallel. And it automatically instantly focuses. That's great. That's missing from any high-end cinema camera. You can't just touch the screen and tell it where to focus. You have to hire a whole person to pull focus, or you have to get really good at doing it yourself, which is hard to do when the camera weighs 30 pounds. Well, (laughs) I think it's also limited purpose, though, at the same time, because let's say you are shooting someone, you have them them framed up, they're on screen. I guess you you could tap on that if it's a touch screen. They'll be in focus, but now they move. Are we talking... You well, want to shoot? You want to shoot with autofocus? That Canon, yeah, I want to shoot with like autofocus. Like autofocus is not that hard of a problem anymore. They've solved it. Yeah, but what if it messes up? Well, you can always go to manual. But when was the last time you saw autofocus mess up on the quarter crew channel? Hey, I'll put it this way: How many times have you biffed the focus yourself? I've lost count. <laughs> yeah, completely. Autofocus definitely yeah. does screws up less times than I screw up at least on the new cameras. So imagine a camera that can focus automatically yeah. using the, those features. That'd be great. It would be. But then here's the big thing. Smooth movements, like smooth cinematic movements. That's been like the dream for decades. Like you have tripods and dollies and jibs and glide cams. And like like Devin Supertramp made a whole career off of smooth camera movements. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, he's more than just a smooth camera movement kind of guy, but <laughs> <laughs> he has that going for him. Um, 
So the gimbals will come out. It's not like there's the Devin Graham signature tripod. (laughs) 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 I mean, I would buy that. (laughs) What's the tripod you use in all your videos? (laughs) (laughs) The most for the most stable of frames. (laughs) Wow. The camera's it's, not moving at all. Nothing's moving at all. Is this a photograph? <laughs> no, silly, you're on YouTube. <laughs> no, this is just my tripod. It's a really good tripod. You can tell the bad tripods when the footage still wiggles once the camera's on the tripod. It's a bad tripod. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, like the ones we're using right here. If I do this on the floor. Can't tell if it's working. No. But, the good tripods signature. Good tripods. These are a signature. S- Sam Gorski Graham. and Nico Beringer signature edition tripods. Yeah. Uh, they have th- come with three legs. Available on Amazon. <laughs> All right. Um, anyways, to finish my little spiel here. So gimbals have come out and gimbals are great. They let you basically do all those fancy camera moves yeah. that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars in the past. But now you just use a little fancy gimbal and it keeps the camera steady. But you need a light camera to do that. Yeah. And the biggest issue is that you can't pull focus at the same time. You can't be holding on to the lens of the camera when the camera can't let you touch it because it's mm-hmm. on a gimbal. Yeah. So here I am using the red. The image quality is great, but I'm just thinking about all these cool things I could be doing if it was on a gimbal. And all I need to do is be able to pull focus with those lenses like electronically. And yeah. I've tried, but it doesn't work because nobody's actually spent the time to make it really work. Because software through your phone and software over wireless usually sucks. And yeah. if somebody just did that, if somebody could just take a red... And make it so you could pull focus wirelessly using electronic focus control and the lens motors. And I could mount that right on a gimbal. I would be so happy. And they would probably put 100 people out of, not 100, they put thousands of people out of jobs in Hollywood. But it'll never happen because of that reason. I remember when they added autofocus, like crappy autofocus, but they added autofocus. And on the forums, there was an uproar about people saying how they're going to make ACs lose their jobs. Are you for real? Yeah, I'm for real. You know, screw all those people. Yeah. You know what? The more jobs I can kill, the better. There we go. I said it. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I agree with you, but it sounds awful, but I agree with you. And it here's sounds awful. Why. Welcome to technology. Elon Musk, you're killing too many jobs. It's the same concept. I mean, on a bigger scale. Yeah. It's like, oh, all these automotive factories are going to shut down. It's like, no. They're just going to work for Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's my point of view on it. Like, for example, they're putting up computer uh, kiosks at McDonald's. So you no longer order from a cashier. You just go up and you hit the screen and then your burger pops out. Some, that's mercy. <laughs> exactly like yeah you're killing a job but let's be real with ourselves isn't that kind of a waste of human potential yeah it like, is to just be there and be the equivalent of a touch screen where somebody just gives you an input and you give them an output like people are so much more than that and yeah i know people have to like relearn things and learn new skills and there's a painful process to this and I'm callously dismissing it right now on the podcast but no there's nothing callous about this. This is really fascinating stuff. It's stuff <laughs> that people have to start grappling with as more and more yeah. jobs get replaced. Well, we've seen that a little bit in America here. As manufacturing has disappeared, what's arose instead is design. Design has become the big thing for people to get jobs in. You know, design and art and creation. You are you are using your actual skills as a human being to problem solve and to create and to be creative rather than being the man who pulls the lever to make sure that the machine thing punches the diode in the right spot i think that's fascinating because if you think about that from a design perspective um everyone complains about how they have to throw away their iphone every year Mm -hmm. to buy another one yeah and it's like obviously that's a generalization but every two years what i'm getting at is what i'm getting at is that if you think about that like think about a product other than like a pair of good shoes that you've used for more than a year you know like what and like what are they other than like clothing which is like you, you know dumb simple mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's it doesn't break you know it doesn't <laughs> crash you know your shoes don't get firmware updates but like the fact that we have products coming out at such an unparalleled rate because of the fact that they effectively become obsolete so mm-hmm. quickly i think i think you're right in the sense that we 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 have this demand for more designers and more i guess creators of products because every christmas even even this year, you see Portal from Facebook. Don't buy it. Obviously, you don't want to put a security cam from Facebook in your house. That's for sure. For a second, I thought you were saying there's a new Portal game coming. No, out. no, no. There's a por- a product called Portal. Mm-hmm. They started advertising it. <clears throat> oh and yeah. Th- and then and then I think something happened. And then I saw from Facebook slapped onto it after after like two or three weeks <laughs> of it being advertised. So like whoa, 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 whoa. 
Don't put that in your house. Um, but you look at that. That's a new product. Like every single year we're seeing anything from like new types of like Apple TVs to Chromecasts, the smart TVs, the things like in the, mm-hmm. this accelerated rate of technology means that we need new designs every month yeah. for these same products that we already are using and having. And it's that it's, there's this there's this need and demand and this this like something something's out there that's that's kind of feeding this. Yeah. So it's it's really fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, it's not to say like at a factory you still need skilled craftsmen like mm-hmm. that's very a very important job, too. But that's still creativity. That's still that's still applying your depth of human knowledge and skill. It's just like when you are literally just part of an algorithm, you're just part of a function. And it's just like, oh, we couldn't make a robot that was dexterous enough or that had enough dexterity. Is dexterous a word? Yeah, it is, right? <laughs> we couldn't make a robot that had enough dexterity to pick up this box and twist it in the right direction. So we need a human being to do that. Like, yeah, that's where it's just, ugh. I, I would love to see those jobs eliminated. I would love to see people be more than that. Well, unfortunately, an AC is uh, fitting that description. Well, when they're just pulling because focus. Because we need something dexterous enough <laughs> to turn something like yeah. 45 degrees to 90 degrees. And the funny thing is... Technically, like, that comes in the crosshairs if based off your description. <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is, like, anybody who's like, I don't know, if you've actually worked with an AC, there's so much more than just somebody pulling focus. Like, Yeah, actually, I totally agree. Yeah. I, I know, I know. Every, 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 I know, like, everyone who's assist, assisted me on camera has made the shots better. Yeah. In the sense that, like, they if they become is instrumental to the shot as the composition itself mm-hmm. because they're directing focus. They're directing attention, therefore directing story. Therefore they are, well, it's also like they are, they are my creative collaborator. Yeah. You know? And it's also like, help me actually take care of the camera. Help me troubleshoot it. We oh, got to yeah. move it over here. We got to set it up over here. Like, and that's the other silly thing about that. Everybody getting angry about autofocus killing jobs. <laughs> it's like, it's not going to like in any, like if all your AC is doing is pulling focus you are not running a very efficient set. I don't know. Yeah, totally. I mean, maybe they actually, <sighs> movies are so screwed up. Movies are super screwed up. You want to know why? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I need to know. Here's why movies are screwed up. It's, it's frankly, it's because movies make millions of dollars and they spend millions of dollars. Like when you start throwing on $200 million for a movie, you are screwing up the economy so bad for everybody else that doesn't have $200 million to make a movie. And you are so like warping the sense of value for the things you do on a film. Mm. Like, yeah, you guys might already know this, but Sam and I, we filmed a YouTube red series called lifeline. Yep. And it was a union shoot. Yeah, it was. Well, it's weird. It was a weird shoot. Why it was a weird. Well, uh, we didn't really bring anything to it. We weren't able to really bring when when you look at your final okay like honestly i my i don't know how you do this but in, internally i have i have milestones for myself you do as, as as like someone working in the career of filmmaking like i have what are your milestones basically it's a meter um it's a 0 to 100% meter basically of when i set out to make something and i come out the other side how close was that to what i set out to make like mm-hmm. it's like going into a blueprint for a house that's like a square and you come out the other side with a triangle and you go, how <laughs> the hell did that happen? You know, and uh-huh. I wanted to make a square like what went wrong. And um, I've noticed like on YouTube anyways, I set out to make a square and I get a square. Mm-hmm. I'm starting I'm, I'm starting to. So, and so for me, like that's my zero to 100. And like I'm starting to hit these like 85 90s of like division like that moth video mm-hmm. that is it, that is exactly what i was imagining Dude, every, four sides same size every, 90 degree seriously, corners every single shot every single line was so on point and so close and so i took that as a very large personal success mm-hmm. but then i looked at lifeline and it it i watch it and i'm like i'm like someone else could have made that like i it's on i don't recognize parts of it mm-hmm. you know so, so I don't know well, if I happened? have to get that a number, it's like a 60, but <laughs> well, what, how, what, what happened? Like, how did that happen? Well, I mean, you were there, but I suppose I know. I should, this is, this uh, like me. Re- I'll recount this stuff. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. Well, I mean, we, let's take a, I'm just trying to be a let's good take host. A, let's take a deeper look at it. All let's right. take a deeper, we can take a deeper dive because the, the, the common story is, is the, the every man tries to make a creative vision and the man stomps on him and oppresses him and blah, blah. And so, you know, 
any number of variants of that story is mm-hmm. is the common explanation for why something like that, like a vision or working on something creatively could go wrong. You have other people, they have other opinions. Sometimes those opinions are louder and stronger for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And therefore things go off course and you just hold on as tight as you can. Um, but the deeper version is that um, in, in a sense you could, you could argue we're out of our element a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's less about other people's visions, but ours and our expectations going into it. And well, how I guess are you, how are you out of your element? Well, you, the way you, you opened it, uh, the union thing, um, the union shoot thing. Um, Wait, so know. yeah, I opened it with that union thing. Yeah. And this isn't an anti-union tirade, but you know, ultimately, you know, we're, we're jack of all trades here on YouTube and that, that, that environment of a union shoot is is not conducive mm-hmm. um to creating the products that we create here on our own channels in the sense that we don't we are not allowed to hold cameras you know we had that call with the union rep saying hey this is going on our youtube channel where we make youtube videos of people like you know blowing stuff up and we're known for shooting all our own videos so can we uh, get a waiver on this union shoot and they're like no it's like um let's <laughs> just say that again and see if we get the same answer <laughs> because that was like so confusing yeah. you know and so that that was the kickoff basically that was that literally was the kickoff to us going oh man all right uh so we're just gonna sit in these director's chairs and like effectively like slowly try to tell everybody what we want them yeah to do like versus just doing it ourselves like almost half-assedly because like there are so many moving parts on the set and there are so many frankly attitudes it was a bunch of like i mean i mean there's great people on that set who were incredibly talented but for them to work on a youtube original series many of them including actors and crew definitely had this there was this aura that this this project was below them yeah and that was from day one basically you know it's like they're like oh this is below beneath us i worked on this tv show or i worked on this movie and now i'm working on a youtube original and so just directed like, by a bunch of YouTubers, these kids, these children, these YouTubers, you know, and <laughs> these so 30 year old children. Yes. Yes. Well, we were some of the youngest people on the set. That's true. You know, and so um, it's really hard to combat that, you know, and so eventually you kind of start getting to this point where it's like, well, first off, I can't actually do anything on this set. <laughs> like if I wanted to actually make it a true difference other than like going around and consoling each consoling each person. Like, I guess that's, that's what directors have to do on huge sets. Mm-hmm. They're just like, you know, they're teddy bears basically where they're like, Oh, don't worry. <laughs> we'll be friends. You know, it's like, or I don't know. I don't know. See, it's like the, that's the, that's, this is the issue. It's like, what, what is the, the method of action to correct that course when you're on it? Well, we talked about that actually, by the way, my did favorite we? union we? bit, we did actually, my favorite union bit, no playback. You no know, it's the modern era. It's, you were using red cameras it's it's, it's it's yeah it's like it's you going into an antique store <laughs> you can't hit playback without a union you literally position. can't hit the play button to watch a clip you just filmed it's it is because that's a union position to do playback i know see yeah. this is what we're talking about killing jobs yeah i know Those ones i know away. it's it's sad it's sad that we have to talk about it like this but ultimately that's that is like the true end result here but whatever yeah. so um, <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to tangent that no no it's all good it's all good um but we had talked about after Lifeline was finished, like w- what went wrong, so to speak. And for what it's worth, we're talking about Lifeline like it's some disaster. It wasn't a disaster. It's just your average TV show, which is exactly what Sam and I try not to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, the big thing. It's like it was it's the most by the books, by the numbers TV show when you watch it. And that's the thing. Yeah. We realize that we're just cogs in a machine. And it's a machine that no one wanted us to try to invent something new in. Yeah. Well, and this is kind of also another issue too. It's Well, this is a tangent here a little bit, but either way. So what's tough for me though, with that project and lifeline is in this world of social media in YouTube, um, you know, it's not like a director in the nineties who like makes a movie and then it goes out there and you're not like, Oh, that sucked. And the director's like, oh, it's like, no, the director is there like in YouTube right now. These us as directors, we're there as like almost the face on the poster, too, for most of these projects now. So it's like us posting Lifeline on our channel 
feels fe- like feels the same way as me going onto my personal Instagram or my personal Facebook page that my friends and family are on and I'm fr- and posting something there as like here's something that represents me in my opinion mm-hmm. you know it's like no for that lifeline felt like dragging my work in through the front door and like going like don't you know I don't want to talk about it <laughs> you know like, but everything we make is is at that level though where it's like anything that goes on the quarter crew or quarter channels and even this podcast channel you know it's like that is it's not just like oh here's Sam at work this is it feels like here's something that has to represent me 100% when it's released mm-hmm. you know and so that's why I sit here thinking about these projects over and over anyways. I'm not sure if that feels the same way for you sometimes, you know, to have that separation or if they're combined. I don't know. But it's something that's been an inescapable for, uh, for me for the last few years. Yeah. I mean, I always think about that stuff. I can think about old projects and what we could have done differently and, mm. you know, what went right, what didn't. And part of Lifeline, I feel like I should have just been an asshole. I should have literally just been more of an <sighs> asshole. I should have been an entitled diva director which is what they were all expecting this is what they were all expecting (laughs) seriously everybody was kind of expecting us to be assholes and we weren't we were nice and we were excited and (laughs) it really threw everybody and we wanted to be very hands-on with everything we're very excited yeah everybody thought we were super inexperienced because of that and if we're not it's not that we're super inexperienced it's just we've we've lived a happy life of being filmmakers rather than the jaded (laughs) life of being part of the (laughs) machine i was um uh you remember young young lee Mm-hmm. He was telling me he uh, he young is a really cool guy, friend of many of us here at the studio. He worked on the set of Kingsman Two mm-hmm. with their stunt team. He's he all, an action. Uh, he's an action guy. I'm just gonna say yeah. that he's an action guy because he likes all things action and is involved with it in many facets. So I can't, I don't even want to pin him down on one specific thing. <coughs> Sorry. Um, he also worked with Chris Cohen on Kingsman Two, who is also an action guy. Mm-hmm. He actually filmed, hands-on filmed, was holding the camera for most of the action scenes in that movie. Yeah. And he's incredible. You should check out his YouTube channel if you haven't. Um, but he was telling us, uh, I was talking to him about his time on the set there, and he was talking about how um, the director of the movie, uh, mom, 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 it's escaping me. Oh, Which my movie? God. Kingsman 2. Oh, two. whatever. Yeah. Anyways, he was talking about his, <laughs> how he was working with the actors mm-hmm. on that set. Um, the lead actor, Taron something, what's his, the, the English guy, kid? Taron Edgar, yeah, Ed, Edgar, Edgar yeah, yeah, so he, talking, how he talked to him on set, and how we talked to all the other actors, uh, like, uh, oh my god, the names, <sighs> Colin, uh, Colin Firth? Firth, yes, Colin Firth, and, and the lady, Pedro Pascal, Pedro Pascal, and, and the lady, lady. What's, the, what's the lady, she was in Children of Men, um, blah, 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 blah. Jared, you know this. <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> I gotta get out of my throat anyways the way he talks with everyone on set uh-huh. the biggest asshole in the world Taron would come over from doing a shot and ask him a question and he would literally to his face go I'm sorry what was your name again <laughs> like do stuff like that like I, I, I and and like and like legit like ignore people when they were talking and like just he would make it a point to make them feel as stupid as possible. Like every question they would ask, he would just like completely shut it down or like, like say they're stupid or like do tr- weird things like that where you pretend to forget their name in the, <laughs> after working with them for like two weeks and like they're, they're the lead actor of your movie. Apparently, uh, Colin Firth loved it. Apparently, really? yeah. Like he was saying that he was, he was cracking up constantly. Because you'd also like use intercoms to direct, <laughs> give directions sometimes, you know, instead of walking to like, cause you're what you're viewing the set from a monitor, you know, offset yeah. sometimes. So we'd have a, an intercom. And when, when people would screw up takes, you're like, you're like, cut, what the fuck was that? You like, he, he, he would like, anytime people would screw up, he would just like, boom, dunk on them. Wow. And I'm sitting there going, wait, is that... <laughs> Is this what I'm supposed to be like? <laughs> how, is this how I don't want to do like that though? Like, I mean, I like the. I mean, I I imagine myself on let's set a lifeline doing that, having a bullhorn and just like blasting it, you know, like <laughs> whoop, whoop, like the sound, whoop, 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 you know, like. Uh, I wouldn't do that. It's a fantasy, but you know, it's it's kind of one of these things where, I'm, yeah, it's like, oh, man, what a bad example, like. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, I, I just like that. I, it's really the forgetting the name. Yeah, that's a that's a gnarly one. I think the biggest takeaway from Lifeline is that when you're a director <laughs> in the system, you're supposed to be an asshole, and if you're not an asshole, they all think you're just totally underqualified. Yeah, but they just don't know. There's a better life out there. Yeah, there's a better life. It, yeah. There is a better life, you know. And I think that's, I think that's, I think that's true. There is a better life. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and we're creating it. So yeah, good times. Yep. <laughs> so I mean, I I don't know. It actually brings <sighs> us back to so we're creating that better life. And as I said earlier with video games, it's not about how big your team is. It's about your ideas. Yeah. And you just have to come up with good ideas. And you just do those. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Yeah. So filmmaking budgets, they've warped that world of filmmaking where somebody expects that when they show up on set, they're going to get paid multiple thousands of dollars a day. Bruce Willis, granted, he's a big actor, but he costs a million dollars a day. Yeah. No one seems to get upset about actors getting paid a lot of money. Everybody gets upset about CEOs getting paid a lot of money. Well, but is, is, is it supply and demand? Yeah, a little bit. But it's also the fact that, like, well, one, movies make that much money. So yeah. everybody's expecting, like, well, I'm the lead act- actor. Or, heck, heck I'm, I'm, I'm the one keeping your shots in focus. You guys are making that much money. Give me a cut. That makes sense. But it's the fact that that economy is so screwed up around that, that the art of just making films as, like, a... $4 million, $3 million, a couple hundred thousand dollar productions. Like that's like become so ignored and it's become so atrophied in the industry. But that's where like, that's where like the, the interesting ideas happen. You know, it's well, obviously, obviously, obviously the interesting yeah. ideas happen on that smaller scale. And yeah. That's where just, they, they really start. Very few people know how to make films in that scale. And then no one's built equipment for people to make films at that scale. Everybody's trying to like shoehorn, like DSLRs and the film cameras because that's like that's the equipment that's anywhere near being built for low budget well, filmmaking. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but but it's like the only people who have ever been able to profit off of low budget filmmaking is YouTube. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like YouTube is like the only thing and it's like until like I mean, I don't know what the physical version of that is. That's the problem because that's what you would have to say to a camera company. It's like think of something so cheap and easy that everyone can use it that it becomes the standard mm-hmm. you know it's like well could be youtube's quality be better yeah sure could have better features yeah sure but i don't know good enough it works for enough people hey, i have a copyright question for you okay all right so there's this law that's being debated in the eu i can't remember if it's called like article, article 13 article 13 13 you can tell you can remember it because it's the 13 <laughs> easy to remember now, if I'm not mistaken, what this article 13, what this 13th article provides for is if you are a website and you are hosting copyrighted content, you can be sued for hosting that copyrighted content. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you can get sued. So, um, like, yeah. So, for example, somebody uploads a TV show, a movie to YouTube and... Uh-oh, YouTube got caught with that TV show on their servers distributing it. Rather than the person who uploaded the video being in trouble, YouTube's now in trouble. And they can get sued for that. It's like it's like having a dumpster that says no bodies. And then you put a body in there and the dumpster company is like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and they get in trouble. They get in trouble. <laughs> so currently, <laughs> currently in America. That's a, no, no, no. That's, that's a bad thing. That's like, no, no. And hold on. Let's make a better analogy. It's like having a pizza shop. No, it's like having. Where No analogy needed. Proceed. So, so right now, the way your copyright works is that so you have to file a complaint, and then the website must take down the 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 item that you filed the complaint against. You can't just sue them right out outright for having that that item on there. So, for example, somebody reuploads one of our videos on Facebook. It happens all the time. We had to say, hey, Facebook, please take it down. And then Facebook takes it down. And that's the end of it. We, we can't sue them. They're not in trouble. We just, they just take it down. And that's that. Yeah. So the EU is passing law that's going to make, supposedly going to make these websites responsible for that content. Yeah. They're accountable for not having like copyright infringements on it because it's, yeah, but yeah. I think it's, it's pushing the blame from, or not pushing, it's pushing the responsibility from the content creator, the copyright holder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Onto this, the person hosting the content. Now, yeah. YouTube is super against Article 13. They're, in fact, they're so against it that I actually got an email from the CEO of YouTube sent mm. out to all YouTubers. So you probably got it too. 
saying, hey, please tell people not to vote for Article 13 because Obviously. it's going to totally ruin us. Obviously. Obviously. Obviously, they're against it because they're going to be in the crosshairs. Yeah. Now, part of me sees how that's a bad idea. I can see how YouTube, YouTube gets so much video uploaded to them. Like, they are going to be screwed if they have to deal with that. But the other part of me, the part of me that has had my videos uploaded on Facebook over and over and over and Facebook is making dollar after dollar in ad sales against those videos and all that happens when we catch them on it, even with videos with 40 million views that have been like pirated from yeah. us and they go, oops, sorry, sorry. yeah, we'll take it down. Yeah, 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 sure, we'll, take, we'll deal with that. And that's, but they've made thousands of dollars off it and we don't see any of it. Part of me wants to watch the world burn. Yeah, part of me does too. Because I mean, I've seen stuff too, like um, not going to provide references, but you know, second, third hand, fourth hand, um, you know, like even apparently there's been someone at Twitch accidentally just casually said something about how they wouldn't shut down your stream if you're streaming copywritten movies as long as you don't save the video later, you know, as long as it's there and you're not saving it to your channel. And so there's there are like you have to find URLs. Obviously, you're not going to just like be able to just search it or it's not appearing on Twitch's, you know, yeah, trending page. But apparently uh, there's tons of them out there. You know, it's just based, it's like movie night where it's just like <laughs> streaming <laughs> anything, TV shows, copyrighted content, whatever. And Twitch is just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Just don't worry about it. We're not like you're just, yeah, streaming Game of Thrones and like, well, just like until someone until someone from HBO tells us we're, we're not going to do anything about it. And it's well, it's because it makes them money. Yeah, <laughs> they're making money off of. It. I mean, this—that's the thing. It go, Article Thirteen goes against their own self-interests. Now, you have to ask yourself: you have to ask yourself, does that go against your self-interests? A little bit, but yes and no. Like, I'm not in the business of ripping off other people's content. Oh, really? <laughs> I see where you're going with oh, that. Oh, really? Because we do make fan films. Oh, we making a Dark Souls video tomorrow's bitch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not just I'm not doing react videos where I take somebody else's video, play it the whole entirety of the video. You're totally right. You're totally right. Actually, yeah. what we're doing is uh I mean, if we just scrub the Mario logos from some of the hats, uh a lot of the stuff is protected under parody yeah. law. He, but, he, but, he, but 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 that's the distinction. Yeah, that's the distinction because he, this is what I tell people when they say like aren't you gonna get in trouble for making a video with a, like a video game character in it it's like yeah maybe and if they don't want us to do it we'll take it down but I'm not making a video with a another TV show's character in it or another movie movie's character in it yeah I'm, I'm not like taking someone's work and redoing it it's more of like I'm taking someone's idea obviously ideas are work yes it's, I mean it's closer to saying I mean, let's be real. It, it is it, me, a kind of a form of like copyright it borrowing. Is, it's, but. A, it's a form of copyright borrowing slash infringement in the sense that someone inv- invents a challenge that involves a watermelon, the watermelon challenge, and we do the watermelon challenge. Mm-hmm. So we are infringing on their water. You know, it's like we're infringing on the watermelon challenge now in the sense that we took the idea of taking a watermelon and doing the special thing with it. You know, it's like it's closer to that. <laughs> the watermelon challenge. You know, but you, you know, you, you know what, what could the watermelon challenge possibly you, you be? You see what I'm getting at? I'm, it's like the idea of something. Well, no, it's and a, we are we are taking that idea and then building if, off of it. I think it's more like this: if we were doing like we like Dark Souls, we're playing Dark Souls. If we went out and made a fan Dark Souls game, yeah, shut us down. But there's no Dark Souls show. Well. Yeah, it's not. It's not like when you make a video that you're directly competing with what the company makes. Right. Like that's why somebody was making like a Halo RTS back in the day, mm-hmm. and they got shut down. I can imagine. Yeah, because they're making a video game that's going to directly compete with Halo. Yeah, yeah. It's like in the same. <laughs> we can't just go out there and make a Game of Thrones fan film and spend a bunch of money on it. Wait, okay, can you make a Game of Thrones board game? Obviously, no. You here's the thing: you can make a Game of Thrones rule set. Yes. What does that mean? Like you could make a D and D campaign for Game of Thrones, and you could post the the campaign online for people to play, or you could invent. What, what, like, what if I call it Game of Thrones? That's fine. If you're not if you're not making money off it, if you if you're I, like I if you're I, like guys, I came up with an idea. This is a board game. You can make it yourself. You have to draw the board. You have to come up with the pieces, and here's the rules. Make it yourself. But this my I had this idea. Okay, for I see. What, I see game. what you're getting at. That's what I'm getting. I, at. I don't yeah. think I don't. I it's regardless of its legality. Okay. I don't think anyone's going to come after you. 
yeah. for that. Well, I don't think they could because that's in the realm of like freedom of expression. But what if, and what if the idea is so good? It's like, dude, this have you played Nico's Game of Thrones board game idea? <laughs> you know, and and everyone's like, yeah, it's really it's sweeping the nation. It's the first open source board game, and it's based on Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones is like, oh crap, oops. Like, I mean, well, I, they they can shut down anybody trying to print the board, and they can shut down anybody trying to like use their copyrighted art. Well, but I mean, the yeah, idea what if, what shut if down. it's a PDF? Well, here's the reality. Is Can they you, delete it? When you create art, part of you is giving that art away. Yeah. You are, when you create something that's part of popular culture, it's no longer yours. It's part of cultures. It, this is one of the things that pisses that's the me no, off. That, well, that's the noble opinion. It's an, well, it's, I don't think it's, it's the legal one. It may not be the legal one, but it doesn't quite, doesn't really quite matter because at a certain point, the popular opinion trumps the legal one, which is to say, this is kind of what bugs me about Star Wars currently under Disney, but Luke Skywalker doesn't belong to, to Disney. Luke Skywalker belongs to every person. That's what your heart that tells likes you. Star Wars. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But what does your mind tell you? It's become part of lore. Now, mind tells you that Disney gets to own Luke Skywalker until like the year 2200. Disney's the only one who gets to profit off of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. But if my kid wants to dress up and pretend he's Luke Skywalker, Disney can't come in and shut that down. I guess that's true. Well, you know, who, I mean, he's buying the costume, so. But I do think it's important, <laughs> and as we come up against Mickey Mouse's retirement here into uh, public domain, and Disney probably tries to extend it again. First off, look, Congress, just give Disney an exception for Mickey Mouse specifically. Come on. No, <laughs> quit, no, no quit extending. No precedence. No, 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 no. For for that one guy who's still a mascot of the company, I get it. Just make a single exception for that character. But beyond that, all works become public domain. Come on. Secondly, <laughs> you're screwing it up for the rest of us. Secondly, I, th- I think it's super important that stuff becomes public domain. When something's become part of culture, you need to acknowledge that it becomes part of culture and it's no longer yours. You lose a certain amount of control over it. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I, I think that's going back to this Article 13 thing. Let's, um... <laughs> Wait, can I, can I wrap it up real quick with oh. our perspective on it? So you okay. were saying like, hey, we rip off all these video games and make videos about them. And you're right. Okay. And somebody else made a Dubstep Guns 2. We made a Dubstep Guns 1, and somebody else made a Dubstep Guns 2. And they are directly c- competing in you, our space. You, you know what? And we let it happen because, one, they put a ton of work into it. Two, it's good. And three, you know what? They didn't just, it's, they're not just ripping our video and re-uploading it. That's one thing. That's stealing our work. But this is them like taking that idea and telling more of a story. They're doing exactly what I was saying, which is once the idea is out there, it kind of belongs to everybody, and they told more of that story. And we could have still made dubstep guns too. Yeah, well, it's because we're super chill. But you look at the Ampler Google, <laughs> they are not chill. Well, maybe they should chill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> so back so, to Article 13. I don't know. Well, do you want to watch the world burn or what? Yes, but 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 but, <laughs> but 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 the problem is, is that okay? Ultimately, like, like backing up for a second, wh- whose livelihood does it truly affect? You know, the problem is, is the problem is, is that it, it creates a rule set that is very hard to enforce when you deal with parody and like, these shades of gray mm-hmm. here, you know, like yeah, we would definitely get caught in the crossfire. Yeah, exactly. Regardless of whether or not every single video we had that's always 100 percent. That Google original. algorithm would like go nuts. It would like go into beast mode. It would, fully <laughs> s- it would start scanning every frame and it sees one Mario M is like <laughs> offline, <laughs> you know, it's like and it sees an Acura logo on a car. <laughs> Copyright detected. You know, yeah. and it just goes, it'll go nuts. But maybe that's a bit of the inspiration people need to realize that copyright laws might need to be reworked. Yeah. You well, know, people until, take the path of least resistance. Yeah, Sometimes you have to have things be a bit painful for people to get motivated to do something about it. Well, I mean, this is the problem, though, with this space we're entering where it's like ideas and content and like these, like ideas become relatively tangible so quickly and they're so, you know, they multiply very quickly with YouTube, especially when creating derivative content. You know, someone makes a meme or makes a video and then millions of people rip it and react to it and re-upload mm-hmm. it. And so it's kind of like, well, it's kind of part of the culture in a sense that like copyright is meaningless. Yeah. You know? And so I guess that kind of goes back to what you're saying. <laughs> Copyright's <laughs> meaningless. You make something and it's public, you know, obviously you put up as many barriers as you can so that at least you don't go bankrupt. Yeah. I think but, here's the distinction. Copyright on your work is not meaningless. Like if I painted a picture, you don't get to just take that picture. Like that's my painting. Uh I made it. 
if you like what I painted, you're like, boy, that's a really cool painting of a dinosaur. I want to make a painting of a dinosaur. That's where you should be able to make as many paintings of dinosaurs as you want. Mm. You just don't get to take my painting and without my permission. Unless we have a, a time machine. <laughs> Unless and then we go to the, the future and we, we yank it. Yeah. 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 Well, because that's what I'm doing right now for that top 10 book. I like in my in-between time between stuff uh, over the last few days, we finished this. We finished editing the second draft of that book and we, Wait, um, what is this book? I, I mean, well, guys, just to be clear with the audience here, I know what this book is. I'm pretending I'm you, the audience. <laughs> well, so we've been working on putting a book together called top 10 games. You can play in your head by yourself. Uh, David and myself are editing it because we're basically David, David Lovett, a good friend and collaborator who helped us uh, on, on uh, that tether stuff back in the day and a bunch of other things. Um, but we've been editing this book down. Yeah, basically, we're taking these very strange single-player D&D-style games. They're very hard to describe. Imagine, you know, okay, here's the best example. You're on a road trip with a few people and you're bored and you come up with a game like 20 Questions or Ghost or any of these, like, driving games that are... don't They don't require tools or, <laughs> or game pieces or boards or dice or anything... But imagine a game like that that you can play with one person. Mm -hmm. And we are taking this collection of these games and editing them down to the 10 best that we have found. And we are also working on trying to illustrate some of the more difficult concepts that we found. And uh, so by doing that, I'm reaching into the depths of old uh, like engravings and lithographs from the 1800s that kind of kind of fit the style you know we're trying to theme it around a little bit around dungeons and dragons since that's kind of one of the closest approximations to this book but um so so old old lithographs and stuff like that have that line drawing style and basically i'm digging into the depths of the 19th century when Mm. that illustration style was very popular because of you know photography was still relatively difficult and uh we're basically using yeah all this old hundred year plus work as kind of our filler imagery, so that way we don't go bankrupt uh, doing crazy custom illustrations for everything. <laughs> so so yeah, it's uh it's been a very interesting process. But you know you have to go to Getty Images, you know, and you have to chop up their stuff because you know ultimately it's public domain mm-hmm. and it says Getty Images all across it. But you're like. Sorry, buddy, but I can actually use this. <laughs> you know, thanks for scanning it, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, are these games you can actually play by yourself? Oh, yeah. You can definitely play them by yourself. We've tried, and it works. And really? it's pretty gnarly. There's some pretty crazy experiences. Yeah, we've, uh, we even have some reviews from other users <laughs> or uh, some people who've tested them out. It's some very intense stuff. So, but, well, we're going to actually... We'll do more on this next year. This is this is this is something that's still being built. But you should do a you should have a Twitch channel for you just playing the games by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it'd be super fun to watch. Probably not. It'd be more of like a art, uh, yeah, art, that would, art stream. That would turn into an avant garde. Yeah, they have, they have stream. art videos and they have like art films. They have yet to have art streams. Yeah, they they haven't they haven't done it yet. <laughs> what would be your art streams? Friends. My art stream, I don't know. Oh. I don't think anybody needs one. <laughs> you could be the first and no one would care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Copyright. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a it's a good question, though, because I think people got to figure it out. There's more creators mm-hmm. and more people doing stuff than ever. <sighs> and uh, I don't know. It's kind of like we're, we're, we're dealing, we're, we're, we're using old world thinking for new world problems in a way and i feel like we haven't finally fully cracked it because that whole like article 13 stuff is 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 um it's it's kind of old world solutions to new world problems in a way mm-hmm. where you're like oh yeah just uh you know you know just sue them when they just have your content on your their well, website because well, what's the analogy you know it's like maybe you have a bean factory and i somehow make beans cost nothing to produce and i someone steals them and puts them in a safety deposit box at the bank and then i the bank gets in trouble for putting their, the stolen beans in there. <laughs> knowingly, you know, they take knowingly. the... I mean, or, money laundering is, you know, banks can't knowingly take laundered money. Can I guess they? so. That's the thing. Does a bank get in trouble when they can't see into the safety deposit box of a criminal? You know, like the mm. hand, they took the hand of a victim 
the murder, the evidence. Is if the bank knowingly had it, then yeah. But like, the, I guess you could argue that YouTube doesn't knowingly have copyrighted content. Because see, that's service. kind of this issue is like they're creating this space. They're creating the dumpster farm where people can roll in and dump their bodies. And they're like, well, the problem is we don't check every dumpster every day. <laughs> you know, how do we know that they're being accessories to murder? Yeah. You know, but like, I was like, let's, maybe you shouldn't have your dumpster farm be so big. So you can actually like keep tabs on what's happening there. Yeah, that's that's the analogy here. So what you're trying to <laughs> my dumpster farm, <laughs> the body dumpster farm. Maybe see see there you go, there you go. I mean maybe like I think YouTube's struggling a little bit with that right now because like YouTube's created this platform of like incredibly open. And I don't mean open in like the censorship sense. I mean open in the like anybody can upload videos as much as they want all the yeah. time. Uh, data open like they have. They're saying everybody gets unlimited data to upload stuff. Yeah, and they have a bit of an issue now. Like. I've seen a lot of channels that people are just trying to make money regurgitating content. And I'm like, I'll see somebody that has like a thousand videos on their channel and they all have like 50 to 80 views and they're just trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And you know, the definition of insanity. Trying to clickbait people? I guess. Trying to make money off their videos and waiting for one to pop. And I guess for some reason people get in their heads that, oh, I made 900 videos. I got 50 views. This next one though, this 901st video, same exact video, but it's going to be the <laughs> this one's going to get a million views. But no, you know, life doesn't work that way. Definition of insanity is, uh, well, this isn't, this isn't the actual definition. This is like the closest. This is the definition. one in Far Cry 3. <laughs> the Far Cry 3 definition of insanity is uh, repeating the same thing and expecting different results. Um, oh, that's yeah. not how I heard it, but yeah. It's what was sick. the Far Cry 3 one? Uh, well, it was different. That's as much as <laughs> I don't remember it, <laughs> but it's sim- similar. It's very, it is very similar. But I feel like YouTube's shooting themselves a little bit in the foot with their setup. And I, I, I'm trying to avoid making this a YouTube-centered podcast. Oh, my podcast. God. Oh, my God. What? YouTube's like a pyramid scheme. How so? <laughs> <laughs> it's like people like saying, go start YouTube channels, who start YouTube channels. And then they say, go start YouTube channels on their YouTube channel so that people listen to them. I don't know. You know the pyramids are tall, right? And wide. And wide. You know how long, you know what the first building was that was taller than the pyramids? No. The Eiffel Tower. Wow. For 10,000 years, nothing was taller than the pyramids. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's because they just kept building smaller and smaller bricks <laughs> all the way up until they couldn't make a smaller, small enough brick. Right? Basically yeah. it. Uh, that's just a well, little bit on the side there. No, that's a, that's a really that's a really interesting fact. Just yeah, your, your pyramid schemes made me think of that random fact. But that's uh, funny, you know, the YouTube algorithm is built around watch time. Supposedly, that's what everybody says. Watch time, watch time, watch time, watch time is king. And we all seen those tutorials. It was like I look up a recipe, how to make a delicious hamburger. Mm-hmm. That's actually not a recipe I've looked up because I already know how to make a delicious hamburger. But that's beside the point. You look up a recipe, how to make a delicious hamburger, and the video is ten minutes long. And the thing is, YouTube's emphasized watch time so much everybody's bloated these videos that don't need to be bloated. Maybe that's what YouTube learning's all about. They've killed the concept of editing, the concept of brevity and making your edits tight and making your content clear and concise because people don't like their time wasted. Mm-hmm. YouTube's algorithm has killed that because they want more millions eyeballs. of people. It's been destroyed. <sighs> They've ruined it. That's pretty well, you know, okay. Yeah. So and it's, and it's going to lead to some repercussions. These podcasts happening. Yeah. These, Okay, relaxing mode because we're we're gonna I think break here in a minute. I think we have to break. Um, but basically, you know, I've noticed a lot of these conversations we've had in this room so far gravitate towards the concept of the YouTube algorithm. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, we're all so far. You know, Mike, he has an on and off relationship with YouTube. Harley, <laughs> I'd even argue. Well, no, he had an on and off relationship with YouTube for a little there. But he's a YouTuber. You know, well, these guys are YouTubers. He's We're YouTubers. Jake Jake Roper's a YouTuber. We're yeah. all YouTubers. And so it's like, you know, it's it's hard steering away from this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've definitely noticed. But it's also because it's something, you know, we care so much about. It affects our livelihood. But what I find interesting about it and why I feel like each time we talk about it, something new pops up is because it's it's actually a symptom of a greater trend that all industries and all people are being affected by right now mm-hmm. even if you're not talking about video if you're not talking about one particular form of communication 
you know, we're looking at it with Amazon, we're looking at it with Apple and stuff like that. And like, we're looking at it in our day-to-day lives, how it, how it affects us, you know, it affects our commute, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to that, you know, it affects the, every, every single aspect. It affects how we feed our family, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's this concept of like, I, I, I guess it, it, we, we're, we're, we're hitting the stage in humanity officially where we're letting robots make decisions for us. And yeah. we are crossing our fingers that we taught the robots the right thing. Well, currently we've taught them that editing doesn't matter and you should yeah. bloat your videos out as long as you can. Yeah. Use iMovie <laughs> on your phone and not Premiere. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's one lesson the robots have been taught so far. Well, I don't know if this is the case for everybody, but views have been down for us. Not necessarily on the Corridor channel, because Corridor has been... Corridor is like the entertainment industry in the economy. It's recession-proof. Yeah, it's, well, it's kind of like the it's like the javelin at the Olympics. It's been around forever? You huck this thing as hard as you can <laughs> into the air, and hopefully it hits the target. And, <laughs> and sometimes it hits the target. And sometimes it doesn't. Yes. But, you know, you've been, you've thrown out some great analogies tonight. I don't know where you're going with that one. Just like, I don't know where that javelin was going to land. Well, one, well, okay. Anyways, <laughs> if you hit the target, if you didn't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, exactly. Your analogies are like the javelin. Yeah. <laughs> By the person who's definitely not qualified to be throwing them. <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, on other channels, on Corridor Crew and uh, on Node, the views have been a little bit down, yeah. not significantly, but it's it, there was a change in the trend, and it started actually when they removed Google+. And I think that kind of screwed up a little bit of the algorithm and stuff like that. But I think what's actually happening, because you don't really hear a lot of YouTubers complaining about it, whereas last time the adpocalypse happened and yeah. PewDiePie wasn't making, or not PewDiePie, but, you know, Rice Gum wasn't making quite as much money as he used to, and he was making videos complaining about it. Um, last time that happened, you know, a lot of people talked about it. Now people aren't really talking about it. And I think it's because... This is all conspiracy. This is deep conspiracy theory here. I like guys. that. I think YouTube's getting less views right now. I think YouTube is losing traffic. I don't think it's that they're losing it to Twitch or anything like that. I think that their philosophy of watch time, because they wanted people to spend more time on the site, has finally caught up to them, and they're paying the price. Because yeah. they've encouraged garbage. They've encouraged filler. They've encouraged your time to be wasted, and you have to actively fight against their system to find good stuff. And stuff that doesn't waste your time. Yeah. Now, some people got time to burn. A lot of kids got a lot of time to burn. And that's great. They can burn as much time as they want. But the rest of us That's out awesome. Here, I like this theory a lot. I think <laughs> this is great. Well, it's 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 part of this, it's part of them figuring out what the heck's going on and what they should do with their platform. But it's also a symptom of trying to train a robot yeah. to run your company. And I think it's starting to hurt them because I think everybody who's not a kid who doesn't have a lot of free time is over it. And they're searching for their content elsewhere. Yeah. This is like Netflix where they can just... I watch like Joe Rogan podcasts. It's the only other thing I'm really... I, I, the only thing I consistently watch on YouTube right now. And L2. And L2. I love L2. Because he's he is concise. And yeah, he does not he waste a... He doesn't give a fuck sick. about watch time. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't give a fuck about anything. He, yeah. he, he, he like goes up there, dunks, quickly edits, gets his point out, pieces. Yeah. Everyone should go check out L2 Inc. It's one of the best YouTube channels. That's ever existed. Definitely. Yeah. It's basically, for those of you who don't know, it's a director, it's the professor of marketing, digital marketing, yeah. something like that at NYU, who basically researches trends for all these companies. And every week he makes a video where he goes out and he shares good knowledge because he owns a research firm and he yeah. shares it with everybody and he explains like how it's helping or messing up the industry, good moves, bad moves, the way it's influencing the way people work. And it's super insightful. It's backed up with research. Yeah. And like, he's so open with it. And it's he, super entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He takes the worlds of, of big tech and takes concepts like shareholder values and all these, it's effectively like legalese of the corporate world. He takes these concepts that are pretty unapproachable unless you're directly involved with it in your day-to-day life and is able to kind of help you summarize what all these quarterly earnings and loss reports actually mean mm-hmm. for companies and trends and products and the kind of stuff that, you know, you deal with on a day-to-day basis. And whether it ties you're conscious. in with morals, too. And yeah, and, he, and it's... it's, it's and Responsibilities to the world. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, fantastic stuff. So, yeah, I can only aspire one day to be an authority like he is on something, so... Well, we can certainly talk about our watch time conspiracy theories for YouTube and how it's... 
making the platform get less views right now. So I don't think, I think the Google Plus removal obviously affected things a little bit, but I think also YouTube might be dealing with a little bit of a fallout from their watch time algorithm at the moment. So that's my conspiracy theory. I love it. I think that's a great conspiracy theory to end, end things on right now because I believe it's time to go film some other fun stuff here. Very excited to move on. Uh, oh, speaking I have of to go. other stuff. Uh-oh. Um, Node is not happening anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. It's happening Friday. Well, it sucks because <laughs> I'm not going to be Friday because we're shooting dim souls. Oh, that's right. Dim souls, son. Right. Dim son. Mm. Hmm. Dim sum. All right, boys. <laughs> it's been good. Good old times here. Yeah, that was um, really fun. Yep. Good, t- good kid catching up. Um, I think we got to level one here. Gamer reference. Feel like we should do another founder's <laughs> experience. The founder's experience. We should yeah. do a level two where we go deeper because I think our, our, our work lives are interesting. But going into our personal lives, I think would also be interesting as well because um, it's a whole nother side to us. And it doesn't get shared on the quarter crew videos. Yeah. Because it's not loopy or zany. It's bland and boring <laughs> and great for a podcast like this where you can ramble for an hour. <laughs> it's All right. bland and boring. My life is interesting. Dang it. I go home and I watch some TV and make dinner every night before uh, I go to sleep and wake up and come that's back. What, that's what being studio. a filmmaker is all about. It's about pre- somehow pretending, getting pretending that your life is, is actually super cool and crazy because just because you know how to take the right angle of it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Actually, hey, before we go, Sam, what's the secret to making a popular video? Secret to making a popular video is to ideally find something that is popular and you actually really like too, and then giving it a hundred percent. Cool. That's the secret to making something popular. Yeah. And then there's making views, which is, well, we talked about this with Mike. That's the merger of best. Actually, no, 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 no. Making something really popular is all about taking something that you really, really like and you have never seen done before and making it happen. That's how you make things popular. You also fail doing that too. Mm. So sometimes you like things. Making things don't. popular is all about stealing yourself from failure and repeating it. Mm. And then also knowing when to give up. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you for tuning in to the quarter cast podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you are not subscribed to the YouTube channel, uh, it's youtube.com slash CorridorCast. We actually have little clips there that pop up as well if you want to check out the video portion that goes with the audio. Uh, or you can listen to this cast on your favorite podcast retrieval service, whatever that might be. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's super cool. I'll do an outro too, right? Yeah. Because we're supposed to cut and then do an outro. Are we? We're supposed to. We're, we're doing the intro now. The problem is this is this is the issue. We're both doing intros. Jared, help us. <laughs> we're supposed to do it like this. We're supposed to do like cut, outro, starts. Thanks everyone for watching and listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and all the podcast platforms that are out there. We really appreciate all your listening and your minutes with us. Also, if you want to support us, since this is a free show, head on over to CordoDigital.store and pick yourself up a a dandy t-shirt to keep yourself warm from the elements. T-shirts keep me really warm. Well, they keep the wind <laughs> from hitting the nips, and that's all I need it for. <laughs> all right. Uh, no. Okay. But uh, cool. And that's the outro. <laughs>